Hi everyone, this is Amber Kornack and you're listening to the Urban to Country Podcast. Welcome to the Urban to Country Podcast, where we talk to outdoor enthusiasts about life, hunting, and how to make everyday epic. Hey guys and gals, welcome back to the Urban to Country Podcast. On this episode, I sit down with the incredible Amber Kornack. Amber's story shows the strength of the human spirit and the power of positivity. I'm excited for her to share her story with you all. So, without further ado, Amber Kornack. I was listening to a podcast (laughs) and the guy said, I need to take a moment. Any of you out there that are thinking, I should start a podcast, what the hell are you waiting for? <laughs> okay. Here, that, was, that was my sign, so, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that was cool. So, I guess let's let's kick this thing off. So, I'm here today with Amber Kornack. We're going to dive into her story, but I'm going to let her tell a little bit about who she is and take it away. Tell us who you are and where you're from and anything else you think we ought to know uh well so i'm actually originally from michigan i'd love to call montana always my home but it's definitely been my home for at least 15 years i mean it was this is where i should have been but yeah from the mitten state so that's where i grew up (laughs) until i was about 18 and then um i came to montana right away started off school at carroll college actually um, didn't know what I wanted to do, had no idea what was going on. So I s- ended up dropping out of Carroll and just switching to community college and just trying to figure out what I wanted. I got my associates in accounting, <laughs> um, and actually haven't used it at all, which kind of sucks. So but you're normal. Nobody uses their degree. Yeah, that's, uh, I guess that is pretty normal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I spent four years doing that and working and uh finally figured out what I wanted to do and uh, went to Oregon State and got my bachelor's um, in fisheries and wildlife science. So Cool. So I have two important questions for you about Carroll College. Sure. Did you, did you live in the dorms? I did. Did you see any of the ghosts that supposedly roamed the halls of the Carroll College dorms? No. So in the dorm I was in, there was no ghosts there, <laughs> but there was in a different one. I don't know. It was <laughs> It was an interesting school. <laughs> I've I've heard some interesting things about Carroll College. Yeah. Go Saints. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For anybody in Helena who's listening, go Saints. Um cool. So what do you in you went to school in Oregon, mm-hmm. Oregon State. Yeah. And what did you say again, what did you study there? Fisheries and wildlife science. Cool. Uh, I also got my certificate in GIS, so um doing mapping and just trying to create maps. Um it's a really good kind of thing to have experience wise there a lot of wildlife biologists don't have the experience uh, so I just wanted to kind of get my certificate in it and go from there so nice yeah. so what what drew you to that degree was there something specifically that made you because you said you were in accounting and then things kind of changed so what what inspired you to make that career change yeah so I don't I guess I don't really know you know when I was I've always hunted my entire life I've hunted tracked deer hunted shot bows guns everything I worked at a greenhouse that was my first job when I was 14 I planted 
I don't know, 5,000 trees in my entire life because my dad loves trees. Holy cow. <laughs> Big ones, little ones, everything. That's awesome. So you think I would have known when I was 18 that I should really be in the wildlife <laughs> field. And something just kind of changed, you know, got rid of um, some negative influences in my life and just kind of changed some things. And there, you know, the negative influences were more of, oh, you don't want to go down that road because it's always something I've kind of had in mind. But, you know, there's not a lot of money in it and it's super competitive. And so and there's in job wise, I mean, it's there's not a lot of jobs and there's a huge competition. Um, and but I was like, this is what I really, really wanted to do. And and I knew Oregon State was really good. I didn't stay local because they had accounting, they had teaching because I started Carol off thinking I wanted to be a teacher and then switched. And so if I literally if I didn't want, if wildlife science didn't turn out to be what I want to do, I could go back get my accounting degree. I could become a teacher. I could literally do anything at Oregon State. And that's kind of why I chose it. Um, shockingly, I don't know how I fell in love with it because I went and saw it in March and it was pouring rain every <laughs> single day. So, But I did. I mean, it's so green there. And I loved the, the campus. And I just, I mean, I was 22 at the time. So it was that I think it was finally at that point in my life where I was actually ready for a big college and like getting my degree and and going that way you know and I had my uh I did an interview my freshman year with uh, Kim Annis the bear manager and Libby and I was like this is what I want to do I'm in the right degree I'm gonna do this because she's just so phenomenal and just I, I want her job like her job's awesome I don't want her job I want the a job <laughs> I'm coming for you it. Kim yeah. <laughs> Cool. Sweet. So, um, was that where you kind of fell in love with studying bears? Like, is that, was that that point, like that interaction with Kim or was there something else that kind of drew you to that species specifically? Yeah, I think that was the biggest draw was just being able to help people be safe and feel safe and be able to recreate and be able to live in bear country. I've hunted bears, um, when I was 16, I was, hunt- I hunted them in Manitoba and I, it wasn't, I didn't have to kill anything. I just loved being out there and sitting in the stand and watching these bears come in and out and their behavior and their movements and how they reacted to each other and, um, what they were curious. They would literally climb up the tree stand and you'd be like, <laughs> no, but you know, take the butt of your gun and just tap them on the nose. And it's just, and they're like, Oh, okay. Not going up there again. Yeah. You know, but they all just stayed down there and hung out. It was insane. I've never seen so many bears and watching the sows and inter- interact with their cubs and just, they're so protective and just keeping an eye on everything. And, and the cubs are just like, Oh, I'm going to lollygag and do whatever I want. And mom's paying attention. Something comes out and like, mom's after it and the cubs are like you know they just don't even know and and so that kind of that sparked my interest in bears and they're just how cool they are but you know I'm a wildlife professional I just I I love being able to work with people and and just see how they feel about you know bears being in the world and being you know living where they are and um yeah Kim really just sparked my interest and um, and that interview with her just was like, yeah, I want to be a bear manager. I want to help these people out, you know? That's so, cool. Yeah. I can relate to that now because when we were elk hunting last weekend, 
opening morning, we were walking up a ridge and I saw this movement out of the corner of my eye and I looked down about 300, 350 yards from us, there's a cinnamon phase black bear. So beautiful. And it was still kind of dark, so I had to take a second look, but she had two jet black cubs with her. Cool. So cool. We watched them for about like 30 minutes while they kind of like, she knew we were there. It. You mean, you hear about these bears' noses. Mm-hmm. There's no way she could see us from where she was, but she was keyed in on us mm-hmm. and just watching like in our direction the whole time. And the two cubs, like you said, were just blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> and it was funny because she was pushing the, the front one like into the trees, trying to like get him out of the open. And the other one was still back there lollygagging around, just kind of like looking around, like playing. <laughs> it was so cool to watch them. And so I, I can completely relate to you know what you just said about i mean they're amazing creatures and they're they're super cool to watch and observe yeah yeah no they're they're yeah they're super especially a cinnamon bear with two jet black bears that's so stinking cool it was really cool it's the color phases and black bears are insane you know the colors you can get and and the blazes on their chest are just phenomenal it's yeah yeah too cool my favorite part about that whole thing was the distance. 350 yards, perfect distance yeah. <laughs> to watch a mama and her cubs. I felt felt really good about that. <laughs> yep, just take a look, and then you're like, all right, yeah. now it's time to go. Time you to do go. your thing. Yeah, we're going to go this way. You go that way. Oh, you want to go this way? We'll go the other yeah. way. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for letting us know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's very cool. Uh, very cool to watch them in their, their natural habitat. Mm-hmm. So when you graduated from college, what did you do then? So when I started at Oregon State, I started building up um, networking and and just getting experience um, from the beginning. So I started volunteering, just doing simple, the simplest data entry stuff I have ever done. But that led me to a position with Hancock Forest Management, and I did Martin surveys and absolutely loved it. You know, that was a reference to a reference. They knew each other, and that's how I got hired. And then I went from there to working for Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife. And so I spent kind of off and on working for them. I did work at the fishery, fish, fish hatchery there. And then I started doing blacktail deer stuff. So I wanted to stay on with them and continue to do blacktail deer stuff. My boss wasn't at the job I was in. There, A lot of these are seasonal temporary jobs. And so um, the job I was in, he goes, I'm just not sure if there's going to be funding when you graduate, you know, when you get to this point. And so um, I uh, was like, okay, well, I better start applying for stuff. So when I graduated, I went to Sula, Montana. Where is that? Um, It's actually an hour and a half. Let's see. West of Missoula. Okay. It's right, you know where Salmon, Idaho is? Yeah. So it's um, east of Salmon, Idaho, kind of like okay. northeast of Salmon, Idaho. So an hour I, and never 15 heard of minutes. Sula is the coolest place. It is so, it's kind of like Libby. It's just its own little outside. I absolutely loved Sula. So I did elk, Rocky Mountain elk calf stuff. We had um, ear tags on elk calves, and so anytime I would fly for them, and get locations on them because they were VHF colors, which are basically you can't get any GPS points unless you're flying. So you have to find them. And so just determining live or dead, and if they were dead, I would go in on a mortality and find out what killed them. And I'd either sometimes I'd end up carrying the calf out if it was 
obviously dead, but to yeah. carry the dead body out if I didn't know if, what was wrong with it. Or once they got bigger, that was a little difficult <laughs> to do, but <laughs> I would just cut them open and take whatever I needed to take just to determine, you know, what happened to them. So. Wow. That'd be so interesting. Yeah, that was, I, oh, I loved Sula. Such a small town, barely anybody there. There was one bar there. There was a post office. And then a little gas station uh, convenience store that also had camping. And there's so much cool stuff out there. Nobody ever goes. Like like you yeah. said, I don't even know where that is. That's great because it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Forrester, I stayed at the Forest Service building. and Nice. Yeah. So it was really good. So I did that. Again, that was seasonal. I don't Four months, I think. And then from Montana, Sula, Montana, I went to Missouri uh, actually, Ray, Missouri, and did white-tailed deer capture. Um, that was really cool. And then from there, I went to Florida. So I went to Apalachicola, Florida, and did black bear research there. So capturing, collaring black bears, and monitoring sows with cubs that are collared. And then um, from Florida, I went to Idaho Fishing Game and did elk and deer. Uh, same thing, capturing, monitoring all the animals that we have collared. And then um, from Idaho, I went to Libby, Montana for a short amount of time. But I was there (laughs) (laughs) and did some grizzly bear work. So So that's been, what, that's two years of experience outside of my degree. And then I I have another two years within, you know, while I was going to school that I was also working on getting experience. So Nice. So random question for you. Mm Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to someone who is wanting to get into the outdoor like workforce? Like someone someone like yourself who, you know, all of a sudden has this epiphany like, hey, I really wanna work outside. I wanna take care of the natural world, but I don't know where to start. Like what would be your, your number one piece of advice for somebody like that? Um, so if they don't I would say volunteering. So if you don't have your degree yet and you haven't gone to school yet and, you know, that could be at any age. People go back to school all the time. So that doesn't you you eventually will have to get a bachelor's, at at least a bachelor's. But I would say just start volunteering, make phone calls, call anybody you can and network and get your network going. And don't be afraid to call and maybe call them you know, a couple of times within a couple weeks, if they don't answer, then email them. Wildlife biologists, anybody working in fisheries and wildlife are so busy and they forget. I've had my bosses forget and I've had to call them. I'm like, I work for you. What are you doing? <laughs> you know? But they just, they've got so much going on with the public and with everything that they're running and their emails. I mean, literally pile up. My bosses had a They've had 150 emails in one day, just stuff blowing up and voicemails out the wazoo. And, you know, they they try to prioritize and stuff. Um, but you got to make sure, you know, if you do email that it's specific and you, you it draws them in, you know. But definitely volunteering and, and starting a network is good. But like I said, you have to get a degree. It's so competitive. Um, it's It's very rare that you can get one of these jobs without a degree you might be able to get a seasonal job but they the experience they look for people with experience you know right yeah cool yeah so let's talk about libby what uh what kind of research were you doing up there so it's a grizzly bear project it's been going on for uh quite a quite a few years 
we I was specifically doing um, hair collection. So we have a bunch of um, rub trees that I guess kind of what we call them. And they have barbed wire pieces on trees or we have barbed wire pieces on, you know, bridges, wooden bridges or on wooden signs. And it's just a tree that a bear goes and rubs its back, kind of marking its territory or, you know, going for an itch or, you know, whatever <laughs> they really feel like doing. And uh, so we go and collect hair off of all those barbed wires. And we're specifically targeting grizzly bear hair, but we collect all the hair that's on, you know, all the big clumps that we can get, send in and get DNA off of. And just kind of, you know, it helps with population estimates and just kind of, you know, we're all, they're also capturing up there too. So when they capture a bear and they collect the hair, they can compare and see, you know, if we've collected hair from that bear, how long it's been there and those type of things. So, gotcha. Yeah. And where does all that information go? Because I think a lot of people don't realize, first of all, that you guys are even collecting that kind of data. But where where does that data go? Um. So I know we hold, we obviously we hold on to the data and I don't know how much of it is, I'm, I'm sure a lot of it is public knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um. And there's a lot of research and research papers. So, I mean, a lot of this stuff, Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks posts a lot of stuff. U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service posts. So every time there's a capture or something or they do a release, they post stuff on social media and they, they do things like that. And you can definitely call. Almost any bear biologist would love to talk to you, especially if you're seeing grizzlies. Um you know, when people are seeing grizzlies out in the wild, they want to know. We, we want to know where you saw them, what you were doing, and just trying to get an idea of population and, and how many are in, you know, in the state and, and where they're moving to, you know, how big their home rate. And it just kind of helps, especially if it's got a collar or it's got ear tags or, you know, like I said, they really want to know. So um, they're always up for talking to the public. Nice. And right now, I guess... The the Yellowstone ecosystem grizzlies been delisted, and they're talking about delisting the um, what's the ecosystem in that region called the um, the northern the northern. continental divide yeah. ecosystem yeah. northern <laughs> continental like, yeah. northern continental divide ecosystem that yep. is a mouthful yeah <laughs> um, did you do any work that went towards helping you know inform that decision um i would say that yeah so all the work that gets done up there i mean that's why the that's the point kind of the point of the project is to help with um delisting or just kind of you know getting an idea of population estimates and what's going on and where the population is at to make and that's definitely our research is helpful to make those decisions gotcha um so yeah so collect that's kind of the point of collecting all the hair and everything just getting an idea of we can identify different bears and kind of roughly how many bears, you know, are in each ecosystem. Nice. Does that feel kind of cool? Like knowing that you're working with a species that was on the brink of extinction. And now we're talking about the fact that it's doing so well that it might be off the endangered species list. Yeah. It's super cool. Um, it's, it's also, it's really great. My, my boss is super awesome. So it's, it's great to see him talk to people and talk to the public and to see, they really want to know, and he's super open and he'll talk to anybody about anything. So it's great to see the public supporting the idea and seeing it, um, on social media and it it just, the waves of people there, they want you to continue and want you to do bear work and, 
they're really interested in it. So it's super awesome um, to have that because we need, you know, we need the help of the public. That's why we want to know how many bears are out there. We want to know what's going on. And that's a lot. We can't do everything. You know, we don't see everything. So it's definitely helpful to have the public involved and to, we like I said, we want them to be a part of the research as well. It's super helpful for us. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So you had kind of a life changing experience with a bear fairly recently. <laughs> yeah. um, why would you tell me a little bit about that? I mean, I've uh, I've read the story in the in the news, but I haven't heard it from you yet. So yeah. So I was out doing my job. Um, it was just a normal Thursday. And I was out, <laughs> I was, so I was um, just out doing my normal job. Yeah. Um, I was walking up this, it's a trail that anybody can kind of follow, old Forest Service Road, and um, I was there was actually about two feet, roughly a foot and a half, two feet of snow still on the trail itself, and um, but there was no, it was pretty much melted up on the sides and everywhere else, and just kind of walking along and um i had actually before i hit the hit this my last technical rub i guess i actually found some grizzly bear tracks <laughs> and but they were old yeah and so i was like oh cool you know bear tracks and i'd found some black bear ones earlier so that was super cool but they were i don't know a couple weeks old you know you could tell how old they were yeah and so i got got to my last or like I said, my technical last rub and pulled off some hair and real quick. Were you by yourself? I was. Yeah. So is, is that normal? I, I just don't know what, what's normal for this kind of stuff. Yeah. So I get this question a lot and I know uh, people ask this question a lot. I've seen a lot of, you know, people questioning in it and it's not unusual for a wildlife biologist to be out in the field by themselves. Um, I know everybody's kind of wondering, you know, cause I was in grizzly bear country and everything, but it's just, the work I was doing, I mean, I was collecting hair off of um, barbed wire. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't as though I was going in after a carcass or something, which would definitely probably be good to have a couple or at least an extra person with sure. you because, you know, grizzly bears feed and black bears feed on carcasses. And um, But, yeah, it's not unusual to be working alone. A lot of my jobs in Idaho, I work by myself pretty much all the time I was out and I was going after carcasses. So mostly in, in black bear country, um, I always carried bear spray and everything, but I was going in after dead elk and, um, yeah, dead deer and everything. Right. I mean, that, that was my job. So yeah, it's not unusual for wildlife biologists, wildlife technicians to work alone. I have worked in groups before and, um, you know, one person or a couple more people worked in teams. So I've done both. Um, yeah. But yeah. Well, and I, you know, like I said, we haven't talked about this before now, but I do, I did see some comments and my, my gut reaction to that was, you know what, how many times do we go hiking by ourselves mm -hmm. and how many times do we go hunting by ourselves and nobody bats an eyelash at that? Yeah. And, and like you said, you were collecting hair. And so, I was just curious because I hadn't heard about whether or not you had someone else with you. So Yeah, I definitely think, you know, there's nothing wrong. Like you said, we people go hiking by themselves. People run up Mount Helena all the time, and there's cougars running around and all kinds of... So it's not unusual for anybody to be doing anything outdoor recreational by, them, by themselves, mm -hmm. you know? Right. 
Um, so it's really, I mean, there's really no difference, you know. And you had bear spray with you? I did. Yeah. So I had bear spray and a whistle and everything. Um, so yeah, I was walking down the trail and I got to this kind of avalanche chute, this kind of opening and there was, the river was running pretty heavily down below. How far were you from the trailhead or your truck or whatever at this Um, point? Um, I was about two miles. Okay. Yeah. So I walked about two miles. Um, got up uh, onto this opening and there was kind of like a little, I don't know, like a little creek or not a creek. It wasn't even that big. This little draining of water. Okay. And I was, <laughs> I, I say that because I was like, oh, I'm going to splash through this or whatever. You know, I'm walking yeah, yeah. along, started, I was blowing my whistle, started clapping my hands, yelling, hey bear. And all of a sudden I just heard this, oh, and oh. I, I turned, <laughs> I turned to my left, and here's this massive grizzly bear, and I could, I remember him to the, I mean, his image is engraved in my head, and can only imagine. Yeah, he's st- he's just standing there looking at me, thinking, and I know what he was thinking. What in the heck are you doing in my area? <laughs> and he was 12 feet from me. He and so I had my bear spray, but there wasn't enough time, so I already knew. When I saw him, looked at him, I mean, we met each other in the eyes. I already knew he was coming after me. Whether it was predatorial or whatever he was going to, I already knew. And so I turned to my right and dropped down to the ground. And by that time, he was already at my back and had clawed my arm and smacked my back. And I was just, I was trying to bend over and just hoping he was just going to tear up my pack and eat my pack. And had pulled my bear spray because it was on my, you know, that top belt mm-hmm. that connects on your pack. And I pulled it out. And that's when he bit down on my skull. And I thought to myself, holy cow, I'm going to die. And just reached over my left arm and sprayed him. And he took off. Wow. I felt him come off my back. And that was it. I don't know if he went towards my truck, if he was heading that way, or if he went behind me and took off that way, or if he went back down the hill. I have no idea. Jeez, how how fast did all of that take? Oh, fifteen seconds. Jeez. Yeah, I was really, you know, my thought process, which was very quick and obviously spontaneous, because <laughs> I, I, but I was thinking, you are not going to tear my guts open, because that was, you know, grizzly bears' claws are huge, and a, a six-month-old cub could just slice you up, and you would, I mean, their claws are just massive, you know, they're insane, and so that was my. Th- thought was he's not gonna get into my stomach you know so i i i was basically wanting to be able to walk out of there and so that's why i turned to my right and was just and just kind of hunched over and to just make sure he tried to get at my pack and um when i actually looked at the um the photos from when it happened my doctor took some photos and they took some photos for the investigation and stuff and they are insane. They are absolutely insane. I And it's so hard to tell, but I, I really think his nose was literally right by my left eye. Like, where he bit my head, His he was right there. He was like, his face was right by my cheek. Like, right Jeez. there. It's insane. And it's insane to think about because when he bit down on my head, I thought he bit down on the back side of my head. Right. And then seeing the photos and just knowing where all my staples were. So they were on, you know, my, my scars are on the left side of my face, kind of starting just below my eye. 
and then they wrap around, go on top of my ear, and then go all the way around to, like, the backside of my right ear. And so just thinking about all that, I was like, holy cow, he was really close to my face. He was really (laughs) – yeah, he had your head in his mouth. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, so then – you know, so what are you thinking then? Like he, he, you sprayed him. Yes, yeah, sprayed him. First of all, I've been pepper sprayed before, so <laughs> that had to have sucked. On top of everything oh, else, in you, his face, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, for you, because <laughs> oh. did you get any? On so you? I did. I got some. Definitely got some in my hair. But when I was sprayed him, I made sure to close my eyes. But okay. you know, when he got off my back, I could tell in my eyes. So I actually took my bottle of water out and rinsed my eyes out. Okay. Just to, and I was like okay thinking this is this is fine and i got my in reach out and i said thought to myself this isn't a good emergency right this is the time oh to hit my the gosh SOS button, right <laughs> i'm not kidding that's what i thought that's... i said no i'm gonna hit it it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i need to hit it yeah <laughs> so i hit the sos button and just picked myself up i only had i don't know an inch of bear spray left in my can nice that's good i mean that's not enough but that well i mean that you emptied it on him well i didn't and that's where this is the huge thing is because and i don't think a lot of people think about this and i didn't you know nobody ever expects to have to deploy their bear spray right you know people probably like oh, i might have to do it but nobody ever immediately expects to have to to actually have to do it, let alone how much they're going to use when they do it. Um, and so I didn't have a second can. So walking out of there, I was like, oh, okay, I only have an inch of <laughs> bear oh, spray man. left. If a moose comes out and that. tries to run me over. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. Okay, so you've been attacked by a bear. You hit the SOS. Yeah. Uh, you got yourself a little cleaned up, mm-hmm. so you wash, you know, blood and bear spray off you. And I don't know about the blood; I wasn't really paying that close attention. Okay. But the bear spray, I did. Okay. I got that out of there. I actually don't even know how much blood was pouring out of me, or any- I didn't pay attention. But yeah, so I got up, and I just said to myself, "Okay, get up. You're gonna you're gonna walk out. You're you're not staying here. It's hot. It's I don't know. I think it was." 10 30 by that time so i i think he attacked me i don't know i don't know it was around 10 yeah. 10 30 in between there i said i just told myself i said you're you're going to your truck <laughs> and so i got up picked myself up had my water had my in reach and then had my bear spray and just started walking out um yeah and my balance was a little off, so he actually bit the side where your balance is. So your balance is, I don't, I don't know all the doctor details, but somewhere on the left side of your head. So he actually bit the part where your balance is. So my balance was a little off, but I could see straight, and I could still hear it on my right ear. So I just kept going. I was pretty much blowing my whistle the entire time, yelling as much as I could, um, just making the most amount of noise that I could without injuring my head any more than it was injured. And I had no idea how much it was injured. And my hat had fallen off when I was walking, and I bent over and picked it up. I said, oh, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so I took it off, you know, because my hair was in a pulling. T- At that point, my hair was super, super long. Um, 
So I was like, oh, man, what a bummer. And it was co- covered in orange from the bears. Oh, that yeah. Would, you know, so that was kind of cool. But I, at one point, <laughs> I started – one point, I started – See, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, I think only you would be, you know, attacked by a bear and go, oh, that's cool. Look, my hat's orange. <laughs> <laughs> I was also thinking – so this was – kind of what helped me stay sane because i wasn't gonna get upset i mean it's already over and done with as long as no other bear or moose or anything else came after me i was fine but yeah just walking out thinking man this would be a really good time to find a moose shed right now (laughs) 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 this would really make my day if i found a shed (laughs) that's what i was hoping for (laughs) that's awesome oh man um I was also thinking, my parents, I said to myself, as soon as I started walking, I said, my parents are going to kill me. I don't have any health insurance, and they're going <laughs> to fly me out. I already knew that they were probably going to fly me out. I said, it's going to cost so much money. <laughs> That's what I was thinking in my head. What in your life prepared you to have such a resilient mindset? And we're laughing and we're joking, but honestly, like a lot of what you're saying is a survivor's mindset. Like you were focusing on things that were within your control. You were focusing on positive things you were thinking about, you know, some funny things that, as well. And all of that is is signs of a survivor's mindset. What what in your life prepared you to to have that mindset in that moment when you needed it most? Um I I don't I would probably say everything. So, you know, I'm I've hunted all my life and and my parents, my parents are a huge influence. So just, you know, they train me to be in, and I shouldn't say train, so that's not, a, <laughs> parents don't train, they taught me to be <laughs> into, <laughs> don't tell them I said that, um, taught me to be independent and maybe, right. maybe a little too much, but they, they really just grilled it in me that I, it's good to be independent and, yeah. um, and hunting, hunting, hunting with my dad and everything that we do and where we go um, taught me kind of just how to survive and what to be prepared for. I mean, when I was 16 hunting black bears, just being out there, you know, grizzly bears are they're They can be aggressive and, um, but they can also, you know, be afraid of people as well. And cause right. they don't know what we are. And, but um, you know, people are all like, Oh, black bears, not a big deal, but black bears do attack people. It does happen. And yeah. so, Especially, I mean, seeing a 600-pound black bear is a little, you know, you're 16 years old and a tree stand by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So you have to just, just I would say things like that and work, you know. Working, I worked, when I worked for Hancock Forest Management, that was my, yeah, my first job out in the field. And I worked with a partner, but then also by myself at times. And I was carrying out cat food to try and get, see if there were pine martens out there when I would go check on the cameras, there would be a ton of black bears pictures, just photos. And they tore off the can. I mean, and so I just had, I learned from my jobs, all the training from hunting and my parents and my jobs just all kind of just evolved. And, and as I said, I was not going to just sit there and wait around for somebody to come get me. You know, I had no, how I had no idea how long it was going to take I didn't even know if they got my message. I didn't have any service. I, I there was no way I was just going to sit there and do nothing. 
That's incredible. I love it. <laughs> so you you hauled yourself out. By the way, one of my my buddies, I told him that we were going to sit down and talk, and he he said that Amber is tougher than twenty year old bull steak. <laughs> So, yeah, so he, he thought you were pretty pretty tough, and you would have had to, to, I mean, you are tough to get yourself out of there. So how long did it take you to get back to your truck? I mean, your balance is all screwed up. You're wounded. Yeah, so at one point, <laughs> I started running. <laughs> no way. I'm not kidding you. Lasted for, I don't know, a couple minutes, and I said, nope, can't do that, because <laughs> <laughs> my head was a little jogged at that point. Yeah. But I was just, I just kept thinking, get to your truck, get to your truck, and so yeah. I want to say from the attack, I think it roughly took half hour to 45 minutes to get to my truck, about two miles, like you said, my Dang. balance was off and everything else, and, and when I was walking on the snow, it's half melted and half not, so it's slippery as I'll get out, which didn't really help. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it rained that night, I'm trying to, like the night actually, before. Actually, that morning, yeah, the night before it rained, and that morning it was sprinkling, because I was actually yeah. wearing all my, which is crazy, because, so I was wearing, I had, um... Some kind of pair of pants on. And then I had my rain pants, my um, hiking boots I had on. And I had three different shirts on. So I had a T-shirt, a long sleeve shirt, which was a little thinner. but And then I had my rain jacket on. And he still got through my rain jacket. So his claw mark on my arm got through my rain jacket. It wasn't bleeding terribly, um, but there's a scar left from it. And then on my back, there's, there's a photo. And I can't see it, but my dad says you can clearly see a claw or a a paw mark so you can literally see yeah when it first started there was just all kinds of bruises on the right side of my back because he just came up and just whacked me and when I was walking out I was feeling my ribs and I was like oh man what the heck I said gosh darn now I got a broken rib too (laughs) (laughs) but luckily no nothing else broke but my skull so that's fine (laughs) nothing but your skull oh wow okay so yeah so I think it was 30 to 45 minutes. Yeah. I got to my truck and I said, okay, you're fine. Took off my pack, um, threw it in the passenger seat, and I thought to myself, they are not going to let me eat in the hospital. I better eat something because I haven't eaten all morning. I think I had a couple (laughs) of fruit snacks or something in the morning. (laughs) So I grabbed out my Kellogg's bar, had my water, and I just, I got in the driver's seat, turned it on. I said, okay, you're going to do this. Looked in the rear view mirror, and I said, nah, I don't need to see that. And I wrapped my sweatshirt or something around my head just to kind of, if it was bleeding a lot. Like I said, I couldn't really tell. Yeah. My nose was running, but that that was about the only thing that I could tell. Like blood running out your nose? No, it was some kind of liquid. Oh, gotcha. Okay. might have come from where he bit me on my ear and then all flowed out. They don't really know. Gotcha. So, yeah, so I backed up and just pulled forward and started driving. And I'm just like two hands on the wheel, rolled down my window and just started driving. I said, you know what? I'm going to start honking. I'm surprised you didn't hear me because you were out there bear hunting. I know. I I'm sorry. I don't no, know where no, we no. were. <laughs> it's, uh, I started honking. And then once I got on the so I was on a pretty rough forestry road. And once yeah. I got on a well-maintained dirt road. I picked up speed a little bit and just started honking my horn, honking my horn. I I think I drove for roughly three miles 
and finally ran into somebody or saw somebody go around the corner and I hit the gas a little more and I just started honking my horn, honking my horn. And I mean, I sped up. I was like, I'm going to get this guy. I'm, I'm going to get him. And he finally pulled over and I pulled over. I said, oh my gosh, please don't take off. Please don't take off. Got out of my truck, kind of stumbling over to him. And I said, excuse me. He goes, oh dear, are you okay? <laughs> I said, I've just been attacked by a bear. Do you think you can take me to the hospital? He goes, of course. And this whole time he's driving, there's this big, I'm pretty sure it was a mastiff dog hanging out his window like, dad, I think we should stop him. She needs something. So I got in his truck and his dog's like, hey, how are you? What are you doing? You know, this huge dog's all excited. And normally I would be so excited because he was adorable. But I just kind of held my hand back because I could tell he just wanted to lick my face and everything. Yeah. And the guy was like, I'm sorry. It's okay. And then we drove for a mile, mile and a half. And actually the ambulance was on their way up. And he, he's like, I got her. I got her. And stopped. And they got me out and everything. So Wow. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. And that day immediately they sent people out. I, I think there was 8 to 11 people or something. There was a good group of people that went out um to go investigate the site and that's te technically typically typically excuse me what they do with a grizzly bear um incident so they go out and they try to find evidence to see you know they find tracks look for scat they look for hair um they look to see if he's still there to see just kind of what's you know, what's, what does the scene look like? You know, yeah. was there an instance? Um, they want to know if I was carrying bear spray, what I was doing, where I was at. Um, yeah, they, they try to get all the details, you know, to, and that helps them determine if this was a predatorial attack, you know, yeah. and, and I told them, I said, it wasn't, I said, we literally, we literally spooked each other. And I think about it every now and then maybe more than I should, but I, <laughs> I'm wondering, and it's, and I've been back to the site. So I, my dad and I went and hiked back to the site and checked it out. And it's a lot thicker now than it was in May. And I, I was out there and I was thinking, holy cow, it's a good thing I turned right because the ledge on the left where he was at was, wasn't that far down. So he, I, he must've walked up from the river and just didn't hear me. Mm. Um, and we just happened to be walking at, up I was walking down my trail and he was walking up his trail and just happened to be at the same point at the same time um like I said I think about it probably more than I should just wondering if I missed him or not but then going back out to the site I always remind myself there's no it's not as though there was a bunch of trees and stuff there was an right, open yeah. avalanche chute you know so I know I would have seen, I mean, he's a massive grizzly bear, he's <laughs> probably 500, 550 pounds. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So he's actually, he was originally captured. So he's a research bear, was a research bear, still technically is, but yeah. um, in 2005. Huh. And so they put ear tags on him. I think it was a ear, Um, I don't know if it was a GPS, some kind of tag, but they to kind of find him. They didn't put a collar on him, but they collected hair and... um did blood samples and everything and then i think he weighed i think they told me he weighed 400 450 or something and Dang. he's 24 years old now whoa yeah so he's an old bear yeah he's an old bear and he's been there which is super cool so they sent me um all the all the information on him and uh, his family tree so he's produced a bunch of cubs and he's been there forever he's an original 
cabinet bear, which is super cool. That is really cool. Yeah, I it's mean, cool they know all that. Yeah, and that's from the hair. A lot of that is from the hair, and obviously they monitored him a little bit, but they just they've been collecting the same hair, and they're like, oh yeah, we captured this bear, and I said, oh, do you have a picture? And they they sent me a picture and everything, and this is super cool. <laughs> and I I saw him, and I said, oh yeah, that's, that's him. him. <laughs> oh yeah, I knew it right away. I mean, wow. you can't change that much from. He was 13, I think, right? Yeah. 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 Roughly 13, and now he's 24. There's not And bears, they don't change that much, you know? No. <laughs> wow. That's that's amazing. Yeah, super cool. And it's great. They didn't have to, you know, I didn't want them to, everybody asked that, oh, are, you gonna have, are they going to kill him? Are they going out? I was like, you guys, it doesn't work that way. And he didn't do anything wrong. He was just being a bear. It was... I mean, a, a moose probably would have done the same thing, would have, you know, came after me. I mean, it, 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 it could have been literally any animal. It could, it's just a rare incident. Did you ever have a moment where you were kind of bitter? Because when I've talked to you, you you've, you told me that before, and that just blew my mind, that you had such a positive attitude about the fact that this is a wild animal doing what a wild animal does. And I think we all we all say that but it's interesting to hear you say that after having a negative interaction yeah so i'm just kind of curious was there ever a hard point for you when you um when you maybe were a little bitter at this guy yeah so i definitely have my good days and my bad days um i'd say the most thing that i'm bitter about is it was my third day on the job <laughs> <laughs> So I did three days of training and then I did three days and that was my third day on the job. And I that literally sucks. walking out of there, I was like, oh, I'll be out of work for a month. And it's almost four months later and I'm still not working. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's driving me absolutely crazy. Wow. Um, but it would be there's no point in being I mean, I get fr I definitely get frustrated, but it's because I'm not work. I, I don't not there. I think the most time I've taken off on any is a month in between jobs. I like, I love to work. I love, and I love my job. And so, you know, a lot with these seasonal temporary jobs are all three months to six months. My Idaho job was an eight month position. So there's, it's all these very, it's very rare that you get a job. That's, it's hard to get a job permanent. You know, they're mm -hmm. super competitive. And so I try to never take time off. I always just go, go, go. Cause I love my job so much and I want to gain experience and I love traveling from state to state. I think it's great. That's cool. Um, so that's, I mean, that's the thing that I'm most bitter about, you know? So. Yeah. Oh, that's, I did that's name really him. Ah, what's this guy's name? Well, I think he had it. His number is seven seventy. But I named him Rat Bastard, and so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he deserves. That. I think he does too. That's fair. <laughs> I still like him, but but that's he deserves that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, he was a jerk. That was not necessary. Yeah. Well, you know, it could have been a lot worse. And when yeah. when he bit down on my head, I I really didn't feel. There was never a point in time where I felt as though he was going to be predatory. So he was going to eat me. Like there was never a time where I felt he, I, oh, the whole time I, when he bit down my head, I definitely thought I was, I was going to die. And that's the first time I've ever thought that there's been a lot that's happened to me before. And, but that's the first time where I've ever thought that. And that was mainly because he bit down on my skull. So I thought my, 
brain was gonna fall out. I don't know. What do you think <laughs> when something bites you? I don't know. I've never had that happen. Yeah, so yeah. So when you, cra- I mean, yeah, I had no idea. And then when I sprayed him and he went off, I thought, holy cow, this is that's the bear spray works. That's great. You know, <laughs> not quite how I wanted to find out about it, but <laughs> right. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> Twelve feet is pretty close. That is really close. <laughs> that is really close. Anything you would have done different? You know, I, I do. I think about that, too. And and you can play that game forever. But Oh, man, it's situational based. So yeah. every situation is different. Um, going out there, I definitely knew I would run into bears. I never thought I would come 12 feet from a bear unless they were charging at me. Or, you know, I definitely I definitely knew I was going to see them. I mean, the day before, too, actually, my first two days I saw spooked up a couple black bears. Mm. Um, and they were a couple hundred yards up for me, you know. So I definitely thought I was going to see bears. Um, but I, like I said, I never thought that there would be one 12 feet from me. And so it's hard, it's hard to say. I feel as though, and I've talked, everybody I've talked to and who I tell the story to. And when I took my dad up there, he, he, you know, he told me before that, but he even said, you did the right thing. You did everything possible yeah. that you could. And. Um, I, I just did what I know to do and maybe, you know, my movement to the right there, maybe that could have maybe he wasn't, maybe he wasn't going to come after me, but you just know when you're in that moment, you just know, actually Kim just told me, Kim Annis, I, you know, talked to her fairly often and she told me the other day that there was a gentleman called her about a grizzly bear and he had walked up on it and I don't know how far he was and he saw it. And the bear saw him, and he just stopped and didn't move, just froze. And the bear turned around and took off. He goes, I just knew. He goes, I knew the bear wasn't going to come after me, turned around and took off. And he said, I yep. turned around and left as well. Yep. And so, and I said, that's great. And like she said, you just, you just know. So every situation is different. And we can't, and that's something I think people need to realize is that we can i we can do our best to give you to teach you and to give you some advice and the tools and um survival stuff to on how to survive out there in case something does happen but we can never tell you exactly what to do because every situation is different so what's some good general advice then for people who are going in i mean I like to tell people that if you're in Montana, you're in bear country Mm -hmm. just because they're, they're everywhere now. Mm -hmm. But what's some good advice for, for folks that want to go out and enjoy the wild? Because we should go out there. I mean, we should go out and recreate for sure, but it's good to be prepared. So what do you suggest to people when you talk to them? Uh, Two cans of bear spray. Mm. Always. Uh, I, I, (laughs) there, without a doubt, I carry two cans of bear spray now Um, just in case. Um, and that's if you carry one on your front belt and you carry one in the back. Cause maybe, you know, and there's a possibility that maybe if you do get attacked and the bear, let's say the bear bites your bag and happens oh. to bite that can, it might deter them and they might run away. Yeah. <laughs> like I just tut. <laughs> that's something. gross. Yeah. What is that? And then bolt off, you yeah. know? So the biggest thing I would say is definitely two cans of bear spray. And, um, yeah, so just be prepared, take an in reach. I think those are super helpful. I know they're really expensive, so it's kind of hard for people, but, um, 
yeah, I would definitely take an inReach and a map and just know where you're going and let people know where you're going, especially if you're going out by yourself or even if you're going out with a group. And it's definitely a good idea to just kind of tell people where you're headed and just give them a general idea. Yeah. You know, so and just like I said, be prepared. Know, know the difference between a black bear and a grizzly bear. There's a lot of instances where, you know, hunters or, you know, people shoot a grizzly bear thinking it was a black bear know the difference that's why we provide we we provide all that we provide it online we provide it on social media we provide it in lecture i mean it's literally given to you everywhere the difference between these two bears so no just know the difference and know that a grizzly bear is huge you know and and no like i said know what to expect so if you walk up on a carcass it's probably time to turn around especially if you're in grizzly bear country and and black bears i mean like you said there's bears everywhere so if you walk up on a carcass it's probably time to turn around you know yeah and just know yeah like i said know your area know where you're going that's that's huge yeah and a quick plug for inreach i use the inreach and they actually just came out with a mini version that's less expensive it doesn't have the uh the gps function it just is the communicator so that's a cheaper way for folks if they want to get an in reach go with the mini and it's cheaper um, it has the sos function and the texting function just not the gps function oh, so that's, that's awesome. that yeah i mean it's it really was time that they did that because a lot of folks like you said you can't afford mm-hmm. but we all anymore if you're going to be anywhere that's remote you should have something like that and I mean, that's a cheap way to do it. Yeah. Actually, when, so when this was all happening with Amber, um, myself and my two brothers-in-law were in Libby bear hunting. <laughs> and I usually have my inReach and I told my wife that I would, or, well, I didn't, okay, I'm messing up the story. So I usually have my inReach and my wife told all the women in the family that, oh, Marcus is going to text every night because that's usually what I do when I have it. I thought, oh, we're going to have service the whole time. That was a mistake. There's not any service up there. So I didn't bring the inReach with me. So finally we go back into town after three days, and all of a sudden all these texts start coming in. Where are you? Where are you? Are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, jeez, like, I'm hunting. Like, get off my back. So I called her. I was like, hey, like, we're okay. She's like, oh, somebody got attacked by a bear right where you guys were. And we thought it was one of you. And, and that was my lesson to always bring the inReach. But that was how I first heard about you. And I immediately jumped on, you know, my phone and started looking up and there was all like, obviously there wasn't a lot of concrete information, but what was really cool to me. And I don't know how much you've, you've seen of this or can speak to this, but the, the outdoor community absolutely rallied around you and i don't know how much actual support they gave to you but the the kind words and the um everything that i was seeing it was really incredible to see how quickly people rallied what have you seen on your end um it was insane i was blown away so mind you the person that i am when i got to the hospital and everything I was thinking, okay, I'll tell my friends in a week or I'll call them a couple days or something. I literally wasn't going to tell anybody. (laughs) And 
I when my parents got in and was talking to them, my dad said, "Oh, I called Lon, who's my second dad. It's my dad's army buddy. Mm-hmm. He called my grandma. He called my aunt Karen. He called." somebody else I said, why are you telling everybody it's not that big of a deal you know and he goes we had to let him know it was in my phone was blowing up it was absolutely insane and i got 12 bouquets of flowers wow. from and some of them were from people one had no name on it have no idea what it was but they were i mean and all the flowers were pretty i um i can't i can't even remember who all but a couple of agencies gave me some flowers my co-worker i was i was blown away and then my good friend did the gofundme thing never expect i don't even know oh yeah so they found out <laughs> so my boss was in washington at the time at some meetings and stuff and his boss uh, didn't have my emer- they couldn't find my emergency contact info so they called idaho fishing game knowing that i worked for idaho fishing game and one of my friends worked at the front desk and they oh, called wow. looking for my old boss and she goes, is everything okay? Yeah, we're just looking for Amber's emergency contact information. And she goes, is everything okay? And <laughs> she goes, I can't <laughs> disclose that information. So she told my boss, you know, got yeah. a hold of my old boss, got, got the numbers and everything. My boss brought everybody in at the office and told them or sent out an email or whatever and well, then my friend upstairs literally sent that email to all of my friends in Idaho. Oh, man. <laughs> Which is great. I mean, I love her to that because she <laughs> wanted everybody to know. But my phone just blew up and I kept thinking, how did you find out? And I would, they would, I'd try to answer calls. And at one point I, was, I said, Dad, you've got to call my friends who are calling. I can't. It's so hard. It was so exhausting for me to yeah. do, you know. I just been in surgery, got 65 stitches, couple plate or staples, couple plates in my head. It was a lot to go. My head was just a rocket, you know? And so uh, it was just insane. Just my phone, I was blown away. And then I finally kind of been going through all the GoFundMe stuff and the amount of people, random people that have donated in agencies and my professors from Oregon State and the, all the kind words that people, I'm just... I was blown away. I was so shocked. And it's so great to see that in our world today that we still have all that. I mean, people from Georgia, my story got all the way to Australia and England and I don't know, a bunch of countries over there, Spain, all these countries, people from Mexico donated who had been to Montana. I couldn't read what they said. My friend read it to me. There's, it was so sweet though. What they were, it was all in Spanish, but I couldn't read it. And I, Oh my gosh, I was blown away. Just blown away. You know, and all the amazing support. And they said, get back at it, recover well, but make sure you get back out there and keep doing your job. Stay strong. And, just absolutely blown away. And my friend may have deleted anything that was negative, which is fine because all the positive <laughs> ones were great. So. I didn't see one negative thing. Everybody was good. super positive. So you had a lot of supporters out there, which is awesome. That's good. What would you want to say to everybody? Just a big thank you. I can't, I, and I wish I knew everybody because I would love to send everybody a card and send, I would love to pay it back and, and I'm going to pay it forward. That's all I want to do because I'm so thankful for everyone's support and um, just being able to connect with people in that way and just seeing how amazing these people are. I just, it's a, I'm so thankful and it's helpful in the recovery, even just to get comments. It, you know, I, 
I didn't need any of that. I didn't. And but my friends just did it because they wanted to make sure I could because I wasn't going to be able to work. They obviously knew it would be longer than a month than I did. But (laughs) (laughs) uh, they wanted me to be able to pay my bills and and take care of everything. So it's just so awesome that they even, you know, thought to do that. And I just I feel I just I'm so thankful. It's, uh, It's just unbelievable. And actually. I've made a lot of new friends and contacted people. There's there's one gal who worked for Florida Fish Wildlife Conservation Commission, and I worked for them. Oh, cool. And so I ended up contacting her and was able to mess it, found her on Facebook and messaged her and thanked her. And she's getting her master's, and she still donated, and I thanked her because I know it's tough. We don't get paid a lot. And then on top of that, getting your master's, you don't get paid barely anything and just the fa- I, I said thank you so much for donating and now we're we're friends and we talk every every now and then and it's you know it's great it's great to get those connections that's so. super cool i do have something funny actually so well it's funny to me but it wasn't funny at the time <laughs> uh, uh, so i was walking so as i'm walking out i have the inreach and you know you can message on the inreach so yeah i can't remember Mine, I could, yeah, so I was on my phone trying to send text messages to all my bosses because there's a couple of them that are running the um, traps and capturing and stuff. And so there's Wayne, Tom, and Justin. And so I was trying to send it. I don't think I had Tom's number saved quite yet. Or if I did, I was just trying to find the most, whatever recent ones I had in my phone. So I found Justin's either email or number. And then I found what what I thought was his number, or yeah. So I think it was his email and his number, his mm-hmm. cell phone number. And so I sent bear attack, please help or something. Or I was also wording. They kept sending me messages. The inreach people kept sending uh, yeah. me messages, and it was very confusing to me because it sounded as if they didn't know. They kept saying, "What is your emergency?" And I kept saying bear attack. But at one point, it came out quack attack or something because i was like <laughs> trying to walk and text at the same time and look around and do everything you know yeah. so i was so like out of it so anyway so sending this message to justin and realized at some point i realized i sent a message to my friend justine oh in no florida <laughs> so she calls my phone she texts me and says did you mean to send me this then somehow she hears about it or something goes on and she calls me and leaves me a message. And oh. I kind of just heard the message and I said, oh, no, that must have been when I found <laughs> out about she was freaking <laughs> out. And so I had my dad call her and tell her that I'm OK and everything. But it was kind of it's kind of funny now. But I apologize to her. She goes, no, that's OK. She goes, but I was freaking out. because You weren't <laughs> answering me and I didn't know what was going on. She goes, you better not in the text message. She goes, you better not be dead. I swear. <laughs> this kid, you know? <laughs> so my dad called her and told her that I was fine. Oh. But I felt so bad. Just an E. Just the difference. Because I wasn't. I was just sending messages, you know, yep. to whoever could get it. Yeah. <laughs> She was probably wondering, too, like, why is Amber telling me this? I'm in Florida. In Florida? Yeah. <laughs> what can I – I don't know what I can do. <laughs> Let me get there on my jet plane. Yes, that right. I don't. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. So how are you doing in your recovery? Where are you at with that? Um, so right now, I'm, I'm actually doing pretty well, getting out and hiking. And I've actually been hunting in the last couple weeks. Um, but I do kind of have – I guess it's – kind of a step back for me i do have to get surgery again 
Um, I don't find anything out until the 18th. It, they say it's not urgent, but there's some kind of leak in my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, okay. It's, wow, that's... I know. Uh, it's in my ear area, and so there's a, li- a little skinny bone. I can't remember what it's called in your ear that blocks any like kind of liquid or something okay. that's in your head from Sh- getting into your ear. You're the doctor. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. trying here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that has... They're not sure how long that bone has been broken. Um, and so... I, it's possible but there is an infection problem there. So it could definitely cause infection. Also, right now, I'm not really feeling sick or, you know, I don't have fever. I don't, I get head pain, but that's for the territory. And I have neck pain, but that's also comes with the territory. Um, and I don't, and there's nothing, they said if my nose starts dripping just all day long, then it's definitely a problem, which it's not doing that now. So if all those things come together, then I could definitely have, um, there could be, they call this CSF, um, leak, which is cerebral spinal fluid, which can cause meningitis. Oh my god! But they say it's not urgent. So. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw my ENT and I was super frustrated about it. And my parents were all stressed out. It was this big to do. And then my neurosurgeon called me. She goes, it's okay. It's not urgent. You're feeling great. You're doing great. You know, I talked to your, because I'm going to have a new ENT specialist in Kalispell, and she goes, we talked, it's okay, you're you're going to be fine, tell your parents to chill out, because me, I just, I'm going to keep going, doing what I'm doing, because obviously, and she goes, yeah, don't worry about it, and so the 18th is, I actually have to do an MRI and another CT scan on the 17th, and then I have my appointment with him on the 18th, and he'll go over everything, so. Not excited about the MRI, but nah. this time my head's not cracked open, so it won't be as bad. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll just be the normal level of suckiness for an yeah, MRI. Yeah, 45 yeah. minutes of <laughs> hammering or whatever they do. Oh, uh, wow. Well, I, I know one question that I'm probably going to get is people are going to want to help you out so if people are interested in in helping out it is the gofundme still going like i'll have to talk to jenna she talked about um deactivating it mainly because um she's been getting so many emails just blown up on face she was getting phone calls and stuff she'd be in the middle of work and just get all these random phone i know super crazy shows i never expected this i said i don't i know nothing i don't know what's going on um, so I'd have to talk to her. It might still be deactivated, so you might build or active. Um, so they might build to find it. But I mean, if they want to help, the biggest thing I ask people: carry bear spray. Carry bear spray. It's not that difficult. Some of my friends, I love them to death, but still, don't carry bear spray. And it drives me absolutely crazy. <laughs> I was at. Did you carry your bear spray? Did you have your? No, we were in Mountain Goat Country. It's fine. There's just coo. Oh, okay. Bear spray can be used against anything yep. with four legs or two legs. Carry it. It's not that hard. You know, that's all I ask. Cool. Well, folks, if you want to help Amber carry bear spray, and if you want to help in other ways, you can contact me. My contact information is on my website, or just shoot me a message, and I'll figure out a way that you guys can help Amber. So. We'll just leave it at that for now. Um, 
This has been a fun conversation. I really have enjoyed this. This has been a blast. Um, I have a couple wrap-up questions that I always ask people, so we'll dive into those. What would you say your purpose in life is? I don't know if I've ever been asked that question. Uh, I, I, my, I guess my purpose is to help people live in bear country. That's, yeah, that's, I feel as though that's what I was meant to do. And, um, everybody, I think a lot of people, well, actually most people who know me, they, they say, I know I don't need to ask this, but are you going to go back to work? And I said, uh, duh. (laughs) (laughs) So I just, yeah, I definitely think that's my purpose. That's what I want to do. And no bear is going to stop me from doing that because if anything, I'm saving the people and I'm saving the bear. So it's helpful for the bear. So I like it. (laughs) I like it. That's awesome. And I knew not to ask you that question. I already knew the answer the first time I met you. I was like, this (laughs) this girl's going back to work, like for sure. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why people ask. Oh, you should know me better than yeah. that. Come on. <laughs> couple more questions for you. What is your definition of happiness? Oh, man. That's a tough question. I don't know if there's a true definition. I get. I mean, if you're happy, I'm, I love my job. I absolutely love my job. And you don't often find and meet people a lot of my friends don't even like their jobs but they do it because it pays well and it pays the bills and that's what they do but I absolutely love my job so I mean do what you love be happy and do what truly makes you happy not what will make other people happy and that's something I've definitely learned is especially with this I mean judge me all you want but I'm pretty happy doing what I'm doing and it is what it is, you know, life is, life is going to throw you stuff. So you just got to handle it and, and make sure that you're happy. There's, there's no reason to stick with anything just because you want, you're settled. I mean, a lot of people set, which is fine. You know what people want? That's fine. But I refuse to settle. I refuse to, I want to be happy and I, I want to be surrounded by people who make me happy. And that's why I, I love my friends. They're great. And that's, that's super helpful. So I, I definitely just positivity is, I don't know, part of happiness, you know, I, does that answer your question? That does answer my question. <laughs> I was going to say like that, that is you, you like really summed up a lot of how, what I think your outlook on life is. So yeah, that was perfect. Okay. Um, what is, the thing that you're most excited about right now in your life? Oh, going back to work. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm so, you know, I love my parents. I cannot live with them. Four months is going back and living with your parents after being independent is too hard. Yeah. I love them, but holy cow. Yeah. I I don't know how you do that. That that surviving the bear attack. I mean, pff, that's easy compared to living at home again. I, yeah, you're fifty fifty. So I'm fifty percent my dad and fifty percent my mom. So after a while, stuff we start to butt heads. You know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm definitely. I'm excited for. It's tough because this recovery has made. It's very hard. I can't really plan anything. Yeah. Um. So I don't officially know when I'm going to be able to go back to work. And the next job I do go back to will be in Idaho working for Idaho Fishing Game. And 
Um, and I love the group there. I love the team that I work for and, and they were happy to take me back, even though I'm going to have doctor's appointments. So I'm going to have to come back to Montana and they'll take me back part-time. They'll take me back full-time. They will, they'll take me back. And I love that. And I just feel so grateful to have that opportunity. And so I'm excited to get back with the team and, and just get on my feet again and feel independent and feel like I'm doing something for the public and I'm helping out the public, you know, running check stations and, and checking in animals. And I want to hear about people's hunting stories and everything. And yeah. I just, I, I don't, and this podcast was hard for me too, because I, it's very rare. I talk about myself. I don't like talking about myself. I love to talk to other people and find out what they're doing, where they're hunting and, and what's going on in their life and everything. And so I'm excited to get back in that part of my life and not just be at home talking to the dogs because they just yell at me all the time. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, I'm really excited for you to get back to that too. I think that'll be awesome to have you back out there making a difference in the world. Thank you. Um, so the last question that I ask people is, today's your last day on earth. You get to leave one message behind what's that message that you want everyone to know? Life is short and rarely to rarely to say no to anything. Just take life to the fullest and run with it. Now, and don't be afraid. Change is hard. So don't be afraid to make change. I love it. It's very cool. Amber, I just want to recognize you for, your incredible spirit that you have for your survivor mentality and and just thank you for sharing uh, your story with us this has been a lot of fun yeah thank you thank you so much for inviting me like I said, it was just another thursday it's fine <laughs> right <laughs> do you have any final thoughts for us before we sign off uh just yeah like i said i want to thank everybody and thank you for bringing me on and and i, I tell everybody to just I pay it forward to keep on keeping on and just always think positively something things could have been a lot worse for me and that's the way you it is what it is and you just take it to the next step and move forward well friends i really appreciate you tuning into this episode as you can tell amber's an incredible person and we had a blast recording this episode if you like this episode, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps me as I develop content for future episodes, and I just want to hear your feedback. I genuinely want to know what you think of the podcast, so go ahead, leave us a review, and if you like it, give me a five-star rating. Finally, if you want to help Amber out as she continues her recovery, feel free to get a hold of me, and I'll let you know how you can pitch in and help Amber on her road to recovery. That's it. That's all. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, make life epic.